Uh, last week we looked at bears all things and endures all things. So this morning let's look. Love believes all things and love hopes all things. I was uh, finishing up a, uh, attending a birthday celebration. And so on my way out the door, it's birthday for a man. And um, I uh, made, I was trying to just encourage, make a few nice statements about the, uh, the man to his wife as I was leaving. Senator, I really appreciate your husband. He's, uh, he's real been a, a godly influence in my life. He, he seems to do a lot of um, uh, good stuff. And so as I was just, you know, saying those niceties in that process, she stops me and says, wait a minute, he's a lot worse than you realize. He messes up a lot. He sins a lot. And I thought, well, that's okay, you know, and I just wanted to leave at that point. You know, it's like... It's like she wasn't believing in her husband. She wasn't really hoping that he was as good as I was saying. And I thought, leaving, I said, she, she doesn't seem to love her husband as good as the guest loved the husband. And that's sad. Um, she struggled with his failures. Now, let me tell you a little secret. The way you deal with my failures, the way you deal with someone else's failures, is going to determine how intimately you can love that person. In other words, if I fail many ways, which I do, and you're, you're going to respond by saying, well, you're, you're no good. I mean, you, I, I don't have any hope in you. You're just going to get worse and worse and worse if you keep on that path. If you respond some way like that, what are the chances of me sharing my failures with you? You know, zero. We're not going to go beyond that. But if you respond believing that I'm, I'm growing, God's not finished with me yet, God's doing new stuff with me, you hope that I'm getting better and better and more and more like Christ, different game. Now we can talk because you have faith in me. You have hope for me. That's called love. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. We live in a world that many times we're not seeing families know how to believe in one another and hope in one another so that they're encouraging constantly one another. We have that in Christ. Christ gives us a love that hopes all things and believes all things. And we need to be sharing that kind of love and grace uh, with our families especially and with the world? How can we as a church be that kind of loving body that has great faith and hope in one another? Um, well, you got to maintain the context or you won't understand this verse. Uh, so verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 13 obviously comes right after verse 6. Go back and look at verse 6 and remember defining terms there. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. So it's making a distinction but rejoices with the truth. So th there's a difference between good and evil. There's a difference between right and wrong. There's a difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. And Christians embrace what's true and what's righteous, is what verse 6 is saying. So when you get to verse 7, love believes all things, hopes all things. It's talking about believing and hoping in that which is true and righteous. You obviously can't believe falsehood and truth at the same time. 
One's right, one's wrong. It's talking about a belief in what's true, a, a hope in what is true and righteous. That's the all things that it is referring to. Um, Got to make that distinction. Uh, a lot of, it, it's sad right now, a lot of our uh, teenagers have a hope in making a million dollars in a day on an OnlyFans account, turning their Instagram account into a fans account. Is that an opportunity you should hope in? And yet we've got kids hoping they could do that. By the way, the average salary of someone on OnlyFans is $180 a month, just so you know. Not a good prospect. But also, you have to sell porn pictures of yourself for that. And only, we've only known one person who's been real successful or two. Do you hope in that? No, because see, that's, you would have to be unrighteous to hope in that. You'd have to be unleashed from the truth and given over to falsehood and deception to hope in that. So that's not what we're talking about believing in. That's not what we're talking about hoping in. God wants us to believe and hope in, in a, such a way that it's wed to truth in God's ways. Give you another example of that. Uh, sometimes we say love is blind. We say love is blind when a guy falls in love with a girl, girl falls in love with a the guy, they have no clue where their next step is, what they're going to do, uh, and we say, you know, you shouldn't get married yet, you need to work out some things, you know, how is he going to provide for you? The scripture specifically says in Exodus 21 and in 1 Timothy 5, the husband is to provide for the food and the clothing and home needs of the wife, and so... How's he going to do that? I don't know. He doesn't have a job, but we're going. We're going to elope and get married. See, is, is, we just believe in each other. We hope it's going to work out. Is that love believing and hoping all things? No, that's foolishness. That's not blindness. It's foolishness. It's, it's doing something that's contrary to the standard, contrary to the truth. And so you go back to the truth to give you insight into what it is we are to believe, how it is we are to hope. So I hope you begin to see that. It's not foolish love. Um, people are using the word prudence a lot these days. Uh, what is prudent? Again, you've got to see prudence is, a, biblical prudence is attached to the truth. Look at the, the uh, prudence passage with me. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14. If you've been studying prudence, you've, you've been here. But notice how it's wed to truth. Proverbs 14. Verse 15 says, The naive believes everything. See, that's not what 1 Corinthians 13, 7 is saying. That love believes everything. No, love believes all things which are true is the context. All things which are righteous is what we're hoping in. The naive, the imprudent, in Proverbs 14, 15, believes everything, anything that they want to believe. That's not wise. That's foolish. But the sensible man, the contrast, man considers his steps. A wise man is cautious. There's the word for prudence. He's prudent. 
and he turns away from evil. Again, see the distinction? There's good and there's evil. If you're prudent, you're, you're making distinctions. Is this righteous or is it evil? So you have to have a standard. The God's Word is the standard for what is good, what is evil. A fool, again the contrast, is arrogant and careless. They hope and believe in everything. That's not right. Verse 17, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. The naive, verse 18, inherit foolishness. Again, you see that foolishness. But the sensible are crowned with knowledge. Again, a distinction. What knowledge? What's the knowledge source? Again, I trust and pray that you're filled with the knowledge of Christ and His Word, and His law, and His righteousness. And that's a prudent person filled with that. Verse 19, the evil will bow down before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Gives you the conclusion. It's going to end up that good and righteousness will win. Again, this distinction. So these naive, they're wicked. They're not directing their life towards what is good and righteous. I want you to see that prudence is attached to righteousness, not to human science. It's the scriptures that God calls us back to. So if you say, well, I'm, I want a, a love that's prudent. Yeah, that's good. As long as you understand the prudence has precepts, and those precepts are found in the Word of God. Not in your inventions. Because when you make it about your inventions, you believe in everything. And anything. According to your own mind. Or the mind of other scientists like yourself. We've got to get back to Scripture to believe what God says. To hope in what God says. And that's the context of 1 Corinthians 13, 7. So that you can make sense of that phrase. All things. Love believes in all things that are true. And hopes in all things that are true and all things that are righteous. Our love is based on biblical faith and biblical hope. Now, second, let's think about the beauty of this belief and this faith. Um, we looked at before when we were looking at truth. What is truth? You know the answer to that. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christ is truth. Christ is true, John 17, 17. Your word, O oh Lord, is true. Um, God's word is truth. So why is that so beautiful that, that we as lovers of Christ are believing in what is all things which are true and righteous as found in God's word? Well, let me give you a couple examples of that so that you begin to see how loving that is and how exciting that is. Look with me at 1 John chapter 3. And then we'll look at Second Peter, uh, excuse me, First Peter 2. First um, John chapter 3. We sang about it earlier. Powerful song, powerful passage here. First John chapter 3, uh, first few verses says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of of God and such we are true right it's true do you believe it do you hope in it stop and consider this one he says stop and consider see this 
old translations, behold this. Take a look at this. This is something you should embrace and believe in strongly that you are, have been adopted by God. You are now a child of God. Now, let, let me keep it going for a minute. For this reason, the world does not know us. See, the world doesn't get this. Have you ever been walking down the street, meet a non-Christian, and they say, oh, you're a child of God. Wow. Behold how great the love of God. He has chosen you. See, the world doesn't think that way. But he's saying, but, but we do. We know heaven looks down and has heaven sees the inhabitants of earth. Those witnesses that surround us say, there's a child of God. And there's a child of God. And they know that there are distinctions. There are those who are the children of God and those who are not the children of God. And they behold how wonderful it is to see the children of God because those are going to glory. And we'll surround the throne and be gathered with them as witnesses to the glory of Christ. And how wonderful that is. It goes on. He says, he says they don't know us because it, didn't, it did not know Him. Beloved, verse 2, think of this description. God says, you most favored, you most loved. Talking about us. Now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. So think about that for a minute. He says, He said, it hasn't appeared as what we, we will be. See, the world doesn't get it, but we get it. Because it's telling us we're going to be like Jesus, who is without sin, who is perfect in every way. When he appears, we're going to be like him, glorious in our beings. We will receive a glorified body, a perfect soul. He says, do you believe that? You are most favored. Stop. Do you believe all things? All things that are true? Praise God. I believe in you, brother. I believe you were purchased by Christ. You were dead in your sins, but now are alive. And you see the face and the glory of God. I believe when I come and see the church, I see the absolute best people on earth. Those redeemed, those ransomed from the pits of sin and brought in to the doors of righteousness. And you're purifying your soul for obedience to Christ and you're growing and growing and you will be like him. That's what I believe. And that's my hope. And that's so wonderful and beautiful, and we need to share it with one another. It reminded me of an old song I used to sing to my kids. You are special. You are special. If you look, you will see someone Jesus died for. 
Someone Jesus died for. Yes, that's me. To the tune of Ferris Jaka. If you want to use it. You are special. You are special. If you'll look, you will see someone Jesus died for. Someone Jesus died for. Yes, that's me. I believe it. I hope in it. And when you have that kind of faith and hope in someone else, it changes your relationship. They say, you love me because you believe in me. You have hope for me that's even higher than myself at times. Another example, look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I won't go into all of this passage. Verse 7 says, this precious value. I love the terminology. It says the world doesn't get it. See, see I don't have much faith and in, 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 uh, in hope in a non-believer unless they come to know Christ. They're not getting better. They're not going somewhere better unless they turn from their sins and embrace Christ. But for those of us already in Christ, we have a precious value. That's ours in Christ. All things change in Christ. Verse 9. What, is, what happens? Verse 9. You are a chosen race. 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy. Wow. Think about just some of those descriptions. I believe you're chosen. I believe you're precious. I believe you're royal. I believe you are a proclaimer of the excellencies. I mean, you don't have trash to proclaim. You have the excellencies of Him who has brought you out of darkness into marvelous light. Glorious light. That's what we proclaim. That's our message. That's our calling. That's exciting that we get to tweet and text and promote the glorious righteousness of Christ. Not believing in opportunities of sin and unrighteousness and evil, but something sweet and precious and glorious and special. That's who we are. We are chosen by God. We have been specially handpicked by God. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ, not of ourselves. So how precious is it when God says, I want to adopt you. I want to choose you. And I want to bring you out of darkness and bring you in to marvelous light. Oh. Do you believe? Do you hope all things that are true and righteous it's in Christ, our true standing in Christ. Let me just move to hope for a little bit. Worldly hope versus biblical hope. The world's hope at best is just wishful thinking. 
I hope it'll turn out all right. I hope, I hope you'll get better. So, well, that's just wishful thinking. You don't have anything to base it on. And I want us to see that our hope is so much more secure than that. We don't, we don't hope in all things which are true and righteous in, 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 a, in a wishful thinking kind of way. Our hope is very certain. It's determined. It's guaranteed activity um, on God's part. Look, look at uh, Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6. Here's an example. Hebrews 6. Beginning in verse 18. It says, So that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, have, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. So this whole hope that's set before us is different than the world's hope. The hope that's set before them. It's just so wishful. Ours is, he says, I want you to know, this hope, I want you to take hold of it. It's strong encouragement if you take hold of it. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. What do you hope in? I hope in all things that are true, and I hope... That I'm going to heaven. I hope that I'm going to be like Christ. I hope that it's going to get better. How is that more than wishful thinking? Well, number one, God doesn't lie. He's promised it. Number two, Christ has already gotten there. He is the forerunner. He has gone there for me. He stands within the veil. He is praying for me. So that it happens for me. That's a guarantee. It's fixed. God won't go back on His Word. God will never leave His children. So I want you to have encouragement. I want, I want you to realize, where is your anchor? It's not floating. It's not off somewhere. Your anchor is already in the throne room of God. Christ is your anchor. And He's pulling you to what is permanent and fixed a firm foundation. And that rope doesn't break. Because God won't go back on His Word. He won't lie to His children. He's going to tell us the truth. What, what joy. He removes despair. I know where I'm going to end up. I don't have to be discouraged that it's going to turn out bad. No, it's going to turn out good. I believe all things. I hope in these things. Give you another great example. You've probably heard this more popular. Look at Philippians 1, verse 6. Why did the Apostle Paul not give up on the Philippians? Here's an awesome verse that you can easily memorize. Philippians 1, verse 6 says, I am confident. Notice the security, the strength of that word. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. 
I'm confident of this very thing. Paul says, Philippians, listen, as your pastor, I believe in you. And I'm confident God is in you. Because God is in you, he's doing a work in you and through you. And he's going to complete it. He will make you perfect in Christ Jesus. You see, my confidence, my hope, it's not in you. It's not in people. It's in God. I'm confident of this thing, that God who is at work. So many times, I don't have a lot of confidence in that person. They're, they're a believer, but I don't have confidence. You don't have to have confidence in them. You have confidence in God who is at work in them. And God is why my hope is secure. God is why my confidence is sure. And that's why I can have faith that, that works and it's real. Now, stop and think a minute about who needs hope. Who needs to believe better about themselves? Do you? I do. But let's put it in a ministry context. Is your husband kind of down? Lose faith in himself and his work or his abilities? Do you help him get there or do you help him get out? Is your wife confidence of getting better and better and more glorious in Christ? Are your children filled with this faith and hope that life for them is going to grow? They anticipate the excitement of all the glorious things God has prepared for those in Christ Jesus. You see, if, if those around us are not getting a sense of this, then we have got to show them we believe in them. We hope in that. That's love. I believe all that God has for you. I believe God's at work in you because he's at work in you. Brother, sister, husband, wife, child, you're getting better. You're becoming more and more like Christ. And it's so exciting to hear. It encourages us. You're being purified for an obedience to the law of God. You are going a straight path to the day of Christ Jesus. That's the kind of love God wants us to have. And I remembered an old illustration of, of a, a sculpture. I don't know, how, what do you call a person who sculptures, sculpturist, I guess. I don't know. But he makes beautiful horses out of marble. So he's got this huge rectangle trunk of marble. And as you go into his museum, someone said, how in the world do you possibly take this chunk of marble and make such beautiful horses? And he said, well, for me, it's as simple as just chipping away everything that doesn't look like a horse. Now, I would have to have a lot better vision of a horse. You know, but I thought that's really what God's doing through all your trials and my trials and tribulations, our pains. So well, I don't feel better. I don't sometimes have faith. So you've got to realize these pains that come into our life, all God's doing is chipping away what doesn't look like Christ. Because he's still making you like Christ. These pains are not keeping you from becoming more and more like Christ. 
There's no reason to lose our confidence in that because God doesn't lie. I'm confident that he who began this work in you will complete it. So we can honestly look at one another and say, I believe in you. And I hope in you. You are chosen. You are royal. You are precious. You are part of a people group known as the family of God. You have an inheritance. You have riches. You have value. You have specialness. The world doesn't even know about. And they don't get it. But you've got it. And I believe it. And I hope in it. We've got to share and encourage one another with this kind of love. And realize, as Paul did with the Philippians, God never quits on his children. I'm confident of this thing. That he who began a good work will complete it. God never quits on his children. Say that with me. God never quits on his children. We need to embrace it. We need to feel it. We need to see how wonderful it is that we have a God who believes and hopes in the ending of the plan he has begun and started in us as a people, as a church. How encouraging when someone doesn't quit on us, when they believe in us, when they hope in us. I had a four-year-old, still have, but he's not four anymore, four-year-old son who fell while riding his bicycle, learned to ride when he was three. Uh, unbelievable. He comes in the house, scraped up, crying, four years old. Only words out of his mouth is, why didn't you come? Why didn't you come? And I thought, why didn't I come where? What? How did you get hurt? He said, why didn't you come? I said, I don't know. Why are you asking me that? He says, I cried. And you didn't come. And I thought about that for a while. I said, wow. What faith that four-year-old had. He was confident. Daddy would hear his cries. And if daddy heard his cries, daddy would come and help and take care of it. And that's the kind of love, that's the kind of faith we need in Jesus we need to go out of here saying, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I believe that if I cry out, you will hear my cries. And you will help your child. Because you don't quit on your children. God always hears our cries. And he always gives his help. Believe hope in the work of God. Let's pray together. Father, it's really very simple, this thing called love. But we've gotten so far away when we depart from the scriptures and try to invent and create our own standards. Please draw us back to this inestimable value of being loved by you. And having a love that's like yours. That can believe all truth. And hope in all righteousness. 
Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for being poor lovers, discouraging people around us, bringing them down instead of building them up with their specialness in Christ. And may others, these non-Christians around us, may they see the hope that is within us and inquire that they might be saved. Continue to grow and build your church, we ask, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.